Welcome to the Armchair Critics Podcast, episode 14. We are the home of the underqualified experts who discuss all things sport, work and life with little to no background or supporting evidence. Welcome, Jack. How are you? I'm excellent, Sean. How are you doing, mate? I'm all right. I'm all right. Yeah, you had a good week so far? Yeah, just bunk it inside, mate. This, You know, this Queensland weather is not what you'd rip up for from Victoria. Bloody hell. Sunshine State, we are not at the moment. Um, all right. Well, without further ado, we might just jump straight into our cricket chat for the week. So we've got a bit of IPL to go through um, with uh, the semi-finals now on. One semi-final's been uh, been played, been run, and Gujarat, my boys, through to their first through, through to the final in their first season, which I can't imagine has been done too often. Um, getting a good win over Rajasthan the other night. Um, Joss Butler, who obviously started the tournament in red-hot form, then went a little bit quiet. Yeah. Didn't really do a whole lot for five or six game stretch. He then um, come out and made 89 or 56, which was quite handy for Rajasthan. Um, and they posted six for 188, which is pretty good. Respectable, yeah. Um, and Gujarat then responded with three for 191. with So they won three down with three balls to spare. Quick note from that Rajasthan batting innings. They made nearly 190 and Rashid Khan bowled four overs, none for 15. Wow. Did not concede a boundary in his four overs. Who copped it? Uh, there was a few. Uh, Alzari Joseph went at 13 and a half. And then a few of the Indian fellas, 10.8, 11.5, 10.8. Hardik Pandya bowled two overs, one for 14, and Rashid Khan, none under bowled. Probably. Probably. Did so, he bolt the death, though? Uh, I'm not sure. He yeah. got... I haven't watched the game, and I probably won't. Yeah. He got someone out in the 14th over the game. Oh, no, he's so under bowled. Yeah, so <laughs> not death. Death, but... Um, I mean, to be fair, they've got Rashid Khan, who probably bowls at the death, and Mohammed Shami, who goes quite well at the death. So, um, But yeah, great chase. Then, uh, yeah, Hardik Pandya then came out and made 40, not out of 27. Matt Wade made 35. Shubman Gill made 35. And yeah, um, David Miller made 68, not off 38 balls. Just, good, um, just a good all-round performance. A good all-round performance, which I wanted to touch on that because I think it's been one of the keys to Gujarat's play is the fact that they're not super reliant on any one player and that all of these guys have all been making contributions the whole season rather than, you know, Ritterman Saha got 60-odd the other night and he got he nicked off for a duck in this game. Shubman Gill got nicked off for a duck the other night. He came out and made 35, Wade 35, Hardy Pandya. He had to sit out a couple of games with injury. He's back making runs. Um, and David Miller's been a pretty consistent contributor. He's probably one of the... He's had a great year. He's had a really, really good tournament. He's actually come out and said it's been um, one of the first times that he feels like he's got 100% support and backing of the players and staff to go out and execute his role, which is interesting um, because he's one of the most destructive dudes to That come comment in. has a lot of layers to it, doesn't it? Lots of layers. Lots of layers. Um, is that just IPL or? I don't know. Didn't really give any context to it. Because um, I imagine he could also be talking about Hobart as well. Could be, yeah. Um, I was, yeah, more thinking towards the IPL kind of stuff, which is probably fair because he's played for a few franchises who have not been very good. And, yeah, I don't know, often, you know, gets shuffled up and down the order because obviously he's very good, but 
I don't know, it's nearly been seen in the past as being counterproductive when you're batting one of your best players at six. Yeah. Whereas not, not enough time. But yeah, yeah. Whereas actually it's not really the case because he's just perfectly suited to bat in that five, six role. Look, just to a T. Exactly the kind of guy you'd want to walk in because he walked in <clears throat> 10 overs gone and they needed to go at 10 and a half and over for the next 10 overs. And they got there with three balls to spare. So it's just a genius at work, really. Um, Tim David finished his tournament quite well. Um, speaking of some Aussies, uh, struck him at over 200 for the tournament, um, which is very, very good. Like I touched on last week, I think he's probably played himself into another contract next year. Did he um, make many runs for the year? So uh, he came home with a wet sail. He might have finished with 180 or 200 or something for the tournament. Yeah, which is okay. Which is okay for having played you know six or seven games, given where he bats as well. Um, so, and striking them like that. I think really the only person to score more runs um, at a strike rate anywhere near his was uh, Liam Livingston, who had an, who also had a ripper tournament. Um, scored 400 runs or something at a, at a strike rate of about 170 or 180. He's pretty and good. Took, he had a good year here as well yeah, for Perth. Yeah, and took a few wickets as well. Um, he he took a threefer. Yeah, just bowling like he bowls, he bowls offies to the lefties and leggies to the righties. So he's always turning the ball away yeah. from the face, uh, from yeah, from the bat. Um, and and proved to be quite effective. He took a threefer, I think, against uh, RCB. I think not that long, only maybe three or four games ago for them. Um, which is quite handy. So, um, yeah, he was he had a ripper tournament. But yeah, Tim David, good to see. And after our uh, uh, speaking about uh, Lucknow Super Giants last week uh, about their opening batsman, we touched on the fact that um, Ko Rahul might bat a little bit too slow. Did we mention that? Yeah, or, yeah, yeah. Oh, you did. And that um, Quinton de Kock. Uh, looked like he'd been hitting the ball really well, but had no runs, and that he was going to, you know, put some teams on notice coming into finals time. Um, well, five hours after I said that, he then went out and made 140 off 70 balls, um, and he scored 42 off the last two overs, which is just off, outrageous off his own bat. <laughs> like it's outrageous scoring 42 off the last two overs as a team, let alone one bloke doing it. So, um, and I mean, the, and Cowrahul made 68 off 52 balls or something that innings, which. I mean, sort of seems slow when you look at it on paper, but uh, I watched it. I went back and watched a replay of it, and it kind of got to the point where Rahul is kind of that guy where he goes a little bit slower through the middle and cashes in at the end. But Quentin Decock was hitting them so well that Kale Rahul kind of got to that point where he could accelerate and kind of just went, no, there's no point me wasting time I'll just keep getting him back on strike so he was just hitting a lot of ones hitting the odd boundary where he could but mostly his main objective was to get Quinton back on strike and it obviously worked they made 210 for no loss which is the highest opening partnership ever in the IPL which is not really that surprising <laughs> um, and then yeah so RCB play Lucknow tonight uh, I believe no it's not yes it is Tonight and I, I have luck now winning that game. Um, just backing them purely due to Royal Challenges history of choking. Really, <laughs> just not not even looking anywhere into it. It's just uh, yeah, they have such a, a horrible track record when it comes to knockout semis, and I expect that to continue. Um, moving away from the IPL, we've got um, the news broke again. Uh, seriously, about twenty minutes after. 
we got off the mic. I got off the tools last week that Matthew Mott had accepted the England white ball men's job. Yeah. Um, so you have any thoughts about that? I think it's a good appointment. Again, like they've had a lot of internal issues with their own people, I guess. So looking to get McCullum for the, t- for the test and getting a white ball coach has had proven success. Yes, it, he was the Australian women's coach, but like the resume speaks for itself. He was a pretty handy cricketer himself back in the day. Yep. I think it'll be good getting another outsider's perspective. I agree. I think external appointments were going to have to be the way forward for them, given the dysfunctionality of I do reckon the ECB in the last few years. I do reckon Collingwood will come back though at some point as a head position in the one day in the in the white ball stuff. Yeah, well, I think. I just don't think the time is now. No, I, th- the- I think they made the right decision. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, and, and he strikes me as a guy who would be a really good uh, right-hand man anyway, like a really good guy to have as your assistant coach or, you know, get in as your fielding coach or something like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, I agree. I think it's a great appointment coming from a very successful system, you know, men's and women's game, but it's the same sport and it's the same kind of politics. Well, it's the same system. So, so hopefully that all translates into the ECB. Uh, at least and I mean he's it's not as if he's I don't know it's a different appointment to McCullum's I think in that they need some radical radical changes in the test setup because they're just floundering whereas England are quite strong in the white ball game they're I don't know I think they're about to go through a bit of a transitioning period in the white ball game mm. I think there's going to be some some guys that will be moving on that you won't see again um so maybe this is to coach them through that, or it's literally just to keep the tides high. It's just to make sure that through that period, they've got someone there who can account for that. And I can't imagine okay. him being too disruptive. No. You've no. never heard any issues out of him in no. the last no. nine, ten years with the women's team? No, nah, not at all. So, But, I mean, it's quite hard to complain when you're that successful, isn't it? But, I don't know. I, I hope he goes really well, and I think it's a great, um, a great appointment for English cricket and for Morty himself, mm. you know. Taking on a men's national gig, massive, massive uh, change of scenery, but what a great experience that'll be for him, I am sure. Um, out of the England setup again this week, uh, got released that Jofra Archer will miss the remainder of the English summer with an, uh, that persistent elbow injury. Um, not good for him, uh, obviously. Not good for cricket because he's pretty exciting to watch. Um, third summer in a row that he's being rubbed out. Hard to, I, my personal opinion is that I find it hard to believe that he'll come back and play Test cricket. Wow. He's not that old. He's not that old. But I just, like three summers in a row, like it, it's just... Injury-based, it, because it wouldn't be talent-based over there. No, no, it's all it's all uh, all based on injuries. And I mean, it's got, it's got a bit of a feel, a, a little bit like the Pat Cummins thing. Yeah. Where it's just... Like, it just seems to be the same thing. Like, it's nearly the same injury, but over and over and over again. And they get him through all his rehab, and he comes back, does prehab, get does it again. It's And, like, Smithy has an um, elbow injury as well. But it's well, a completely and, different mechanics. Yeah, and so does, um, so does Kane Williamson. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, Kane Williamson and Steve Smith, I think, as far as I'm aware, it, it's quite a similar issue. Um, Williamson's is worse. Williamson's had to miss um, a fair few test matches because of it and series because of it. Um, but yeah, I, I just don't see how, uh, if he, you know, if it's this bad where it's happened three years in a row, I really don't see it getting 
you know, astronomically better to a point where he's able to bowl 50, 60 overs in a test. Yeah. State of Wipe cricket, get your money, yeah. bro. Yeah. And I, and I genuinely think if, um, if Pat Cummins, and obviously Pat Cummins has been in this scenario, but he seems more uh, Red Bull oriented anyway. I, I just think that he probably would have always had that desire inside him to get back to the Red Bull arena. Whereas Jofra kind of strikes me as the kind of character that it's it seems right up his alley to only play white ball cricket. It um without being cash, it's probably the easier way out. Yeah. Like he made his name in white ball cricket, where Pat was the opposite. Yeah, so like returning to I guess where he started, rather if that's the way he went. Would be the easiest way for him. Yeah. So and I and he's gonna I, make. I do hope he comes back to Red Bull cricket. Yeah. But. Yeah. So and he, I mean, he, if not, he'll make a shit ton of money playing white ball cricket anyway. Oh, he, he went for a million bucks this year in the IPL. He didn't play. Just, just so, so they could sign him for next year. And so they don't have to play against him just in case. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Um, so and one Imagine other him on those wickets. Oh year. no, that would would not have been fun. I can't even remember who picked him up. I think Mumbai might have picked him up. It would have been a really handy ad for them. Real handy. Him really and Trent Bolt open the bowling. Yeah. Useful talent. Um, but then, yeah, another fun fact from cricket around the world. Bangladesh playing Sri Lanka at the moment. In the first test, Angelo Matthews made 199 in the first innings and got a duck in the second innings. Oh, nice. Didn't average 100 for the test. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cricket is just such a great leveler, isn't it? Did he get out in 199? Yes. How? Oh, he just tried to like turn one around the corner, I think, and just chipped one up to midwicket. Perfect. Yeah. So and um and Bangladesh, I think, may have broken the record in this second test for the highest team score for any team who recorded six or more ducks in one. Uh, That's in one such innings. an ESPN start. So they made only three blokes got to double figures. The third highest score was fifteen, and they made three hundred and sixty something. What did the other two make? Uh, one of them made 177 and the other one got 140 odd. It's just, like just the definition of blokes just carrying. Rate that. Yeah, rate it. So, um, But yeah, that's about all I got for cricket this week. Pretty, uh, Not really a whole lot happening. All the round games are finished. I've got not a whole lot going on. So uh, we'll move right along to overrated, underrated for the week. So uh, Sean, you want to kick us off while I find mine? Because that normally happens. Yep, yep. Um, so the review system in the NBA... Uh, it is it it's shit. Um, because uh, I'm gonna say that it it's overrated, but teams don't know how to use it properly. Yeah, and <coughs> they can't challenge non calls. You can only challenge calls. if there's a call's been made. It's the same as the bunker. Yeah. So, oh well. Oh, uh, yeah, well, I suppose you can only challenge it. You can only challenge calls. Yes, okay, yeah. But, in, you know, in the NBA, so, like, if someone runs up the sideline and steps out of bounds and goes in and makes a drive and makes a dunk and there's no call, you can't challenge it. <laughs> but, like, it, it, which is, it just seems ridiculous to me that you can't, you know, because that, that's, that's part of the play. Like, part of the play is the fact that he stepped out of bounds. With the ball in possession. With the ball in possession. And so, the the challenging thing is, like, with league, obviously that gets called. There's so much more to look for for NBA refs than, for example, league touchies. Because they're looking, Absolutely. They're looking more from, like, hips to shoulders. Yeah. Whereas the touchies are literally looking at the line. Yeah. Um, and I, it's, it, is, it is madness that they, they can't 
go back and have a look. It, yeah. was, it defeats. I think it's overrated too. Um, just for the record, but yeah, I'd, the fact that you're going to have this system that breaks up momentum and pull back plays. Yes, it's great to get the right call, but get the right call. Yeah, and I just think that there's so. <laughs> if you're going to disrupt the play that much and slow the game down, you need to get the right call only every time. Yeah, and there's also there's just so I don't know. It, it's so hard in basketball. So many of the rules aren't like black and white. Oh no, they're, they're as clear as mud. Like, and so a lot of it is down to interpretation and context and things like that, which makes it so hard late in games. Like the you know the whole charge versus block late in games. Like you know the whole moving screen is the screen set? Is it a moving screen? I hate moving screens. Oh man, it's just like it's so the the lines are so fine that they end up challenging it and it makes controversy out of like nothing thin air. Yeah, it's just like manufacturing an issue where there really wasn't one. It's just a call that you didn't like. For the league, it's great though. It's great publicity. It especially is. with it people is. like um, A. Smith. Oh, oh Fativa A. Smith just yeah. loves it, mate. Oh, God. Anything to yell the word blasphemy into his microphone <laughs> as loud as possible. Um, all right, my first one, Sean, loaded fries. Overrated. Only just. Some if you Again, they're kind of like... Um, the good and bad sushi. If you get a really good set of loaded fries, it's quite good. But there's a lot of shit. Yeah, I'm going to say slightly overrated as well. I'm not really a massive fan of cheese on chips. Interesting. On hot chips. It's just... Uh, and I don't really... I can't really put my finger on it, what it is. But like, give me, you know, sour cream... Sour... <laughs> sour cream. Sour cream and sweet chili sauce. Over cheese and anything, any day on fries or wedges or anything like that. Yeah, I'll probably agree with you. Actually, yeah, I just I don't know the cheese is. Just they are not, an it's elite just combo. Yeah, it's so easy. At hockey the other day, someone sat down with a bowl of them, like three tables up from me, and I had to go and get up and order myself some because I was like, they smell too good. I need to eat some of those. So yeah, no loaded fries. I'm gonna say slightly overrated. Yeah, fair enough. Um, my next one for you is Max Brenner's. We were there the other day. We were. We were. Um. I am going to say that, again, they are the, I don't know, I'm going to say the food is probably slightly underrated, I'm going to say. I reckon this, I reckon it's stereotyped to be like just way overpriced shit and it's not, it's all right, it is way overpriced though, but the food's not bad. Like not once have I been there and gone, yeah, that was shit. Possibly the most overrated franchise Period. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, I, and I get the whole the idea of Max Brenner's is massively overrated. But you go there and you never have a bad time when you're in there. Yeah, okay. Did you enjoy yourself when you were in there? It was a 6 out of 10. Yeah, well, well it's better than it, 5. It cost a 14 out of 10. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, <laughs> it did. Cost me an arm, I paid, leg, my firstborn and my I, tax file number. I think I paid $9.60 for a milkshake. Yeah. Good milkshake though? It was, again, a 6 out of 10. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I had a mocha. It's quite good, actually. I'm not not normally a mocha guy, but it was all right. Uh, my next one is paint and sip. Hard to say. I've never done it. Yeah, okay. Um, are you referring to the stick Snapchat we got the other day? I might be. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I, I don't know. I, I guess perfectly rated. I think the idea is great. Yeah. it's a, it's a, It would be a great exercise for artists, which tend to be more female. Yeah, I don't know. I know. It does look it does look fun. I yeah. also don't believe Sticks painted his picture. 
Yeah, no, neither do I. It looks like someone who knew what they were doing painted it, which I don't know whether Sticks is that guy. Um, or someone's gone ahead and stenciled it out in pencil and he's painted it over the top with black lines and then coloured in the blanks. That might be true too. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I've also never done one. Shout out Sticks. Didn't appreciate getting attacked by Oakley Sunny, so we got it again on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. Um, no, I don't know. I think it's probably perfectly rated as well. It does look like a bit of fun. Have you not um, done it either? I've not done it either. I was banking on you hopefully having done one, but clearly not. I do weird shit. Yeah, that's why, <laughs> that's why I brought it up. <laughs> I'm surprised Annika's not taking you down. Nah, escape room's kind of where it's at at the moment. Actually, I'll add a, add one in here. What about the sports simulators at Parkwood International? Um, I'm going to say they're underrated, but I go to the ones at Burley, the bunker. I'm going tomorrow night, actually, with the boys from golf. Is that just golf or is it It's just golf, sports? but right. it's slightly better. And you can... like. It's a bit more acceptable to take your own clubs there than the pub. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> but it, the bunker, shout out to the bunker um, down at Burley. It's, the NRL bunker? No, 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 it's the golf bunker. Um, they have so there's three golf simulators set up on the ground level. And then they have three projectors over, like massive projectors over the top of the simulators and an upstairs area for BYO um, drinks and food. Yeah, nice. So it, if your bunker is still busy, you can sit upstairs and watch the footy. They have all the different sports codes on. Um, it's 50 bucks an hour, but like, so a group of four is 200 for two hours. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's 50 for two hours. So it's actually, it's great value. Um, and you can, and like just simulators in general, the good thing about it is like when it's wet, like it has been for so long here, you can still go get your fix. The Parkwood yeah. ones is cool because it has baseball, soccer, like a yeah. few other things as I don't well. Know. What I do mean, you I'd think? Like, we, were the, we were there last night. Yes. Um, and it's good to a point but I don't know I, I think they're overrated I, I, yeah I mean like they're fun for a bit and I mean the the price is reasonable it costs us 70 bucks to hire it for two hours that's good and that was with five people so I mean like it's fine it's a bit of fun um, goes for ages though would you prefer that or Top Golf? Uh, split nairs reckon? yeah probably Top Golf. there you go yeah, because it's kind of the same kind of market. Like you're paying for Top Golf is, I guess, not virtual, but yeah, you know, oh, you're paying for an experience, though, aren't you? You're yeah. not really playing for the sport. You're no. paying for an experience. So I don't know. Yeah, splitting hairs. I'll, but slightly overrated, I'll say. Fair mm. enough. Um, I'll get my last one up for you now. So we try not to be political on this podcast. <laughs> um, I'm sick of seeing it. The Johnny Depp and Amber Heard case. Um, now, before you answer. I understand it's important for a variety of reasons, particularly for raising do- like domestic violence and gaslighting and stuff and how it's not always male-female, even though it's like one to ten the other way around. But fuck me, it's been going on for five and a half weeks. I'm sick of seeing it. Yeah, no, I agree. I don't know whether it's an overrated, underrated thing. I think that... I, I mean, think the whole thing's if- overrated. So, like, even... even- I, don't, I don't even really think that it's fair on... Either of them. I mean, I understand he, that it's a high-profile case, but he may not it, win. But if this was, my opinion is that if this was, like, if the shoe was on the other foot, like roles were reversed, yeah, we wouldn't see it. Well, the first time we didn't really. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, like, if it was Johnny Depp, like, like it was in England against Amber Heard, you wouldn't see it. But because the shoe's on the other foot, uh, it's all over the media because 
it's like this unprecedented thing, and yeah. I don't know. The news media, news outlets are like, "Oh, this never happens." Uh, maybe, maybe I'm more pointing like to the coverage of it. The coverage, is, I think, it's honestly massively yeah. overrated. It's, yeah, it's important, sure. If they did a wrap up in the end of six weeks, but it's just fucked. Like, he may not even win, and he's doing it for his image, and she's trying to defend herself. And if she's lying, then fuck, she's dug herself a deep hole, a deep, deep hole. Yeah. So I don't know, and the one. I have enjoyed some of the snippets of Johnny Depp's lawyer. The, the female or ben? Yeah, the, the female, who, whatever her name is, picking holes in Amber Heard's story and just ripping her makes to Makes her look shreds. like Swiss cheese. Yeah, just make, it makes her look like a spastic. So it's been quite funny because um, she just seems like a really deceitful piece of work, to be honest. He, um, he hurts to listen to when he talks. He does. He's he does. disgustingly slow. He sounds yeah. so stupid. He's yeah. probably not. Yeah. But it is a bit like that. So, yeah, no, I agree. I think the coverage of it has been... Um, Massively overrated. Yeah, overrated. Because, and it, that's just, you know, it's not either of their fault. It's just literally the media. Just well, it kind of is. The case is put in it. where it is deliberately because it's the only place, the only state in America that will allow coverage of court cases. That's just so dumb. It's it's for the image. They're just airing their own dirty laundry. Mm. They both just, like, no... No one's going to care anything that they've ever done. That'll six, just be remembered for. Remember that re, that eight week long court case that ended up with yeah, both of them six months fucking one another. Six months time, you won't hear about it again. Yeah, unless someone again appeals it. Yeah. No, I think it's been um, yeah, pretty long winded. They need to just um, yeah. I don't know why they couldn't just do it behind closed doors. To be honest, but I mean, I'm not a you know a celebrity worth millions and millions of dollars, mate. So what do I know? I'm actually quite the opposite. Yeah. Just a dribbler. <laughs> exactly. Worth about $300. Yeah, well, it's close. <laughs> You're splitting hairs, man. Uh, my last one is skipping beer and moving straight into spirits. Ooh, underrated. And I'll tell you why, because I'm going to do it this Sunday. I reckon it's massively <laughs> overrated. I, got, I reckon you've got to start on something not quite so brutal. <laughs> um, it depends on your context of the day and where you are. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like We're at hockey the other day and... Um, nah, see, I just you, didn't really feel. I, I don't know. I just didn't. It, you know, miserable kind of weather. I didn't really feel like a beer. Like it didn't feel like the kind of afternoon where I wanted to sit out on the on the deck, you know, on the on the balcony, and you know, go and tip a few uh, Denzel Frothingtons in. It just didn't seem like that kind of afternoon. So I was like, I'll get a Canadian club, and it went down sideways, man. And I love Canadian club, love it. Yeah, but couldn't do it first up. Punished. It was it was brutal, mate. It was um, brutal. It was an absolute struggle. On the Denzel Frothington reference, I think I heard the worst name for an item ever from Dickie. He calls his phone the Patrick for home. Yeah. That's shit. I reckon that's hilarious. That is so bad. It's I've, No, I laugh every time I hear him say it. Where is my Patrick for home? He said it to me last Wednesday and I like had to pause everything that was going on. I was like, the fuck did this bloke just say? He's like, yeah, it's my Patrick for home. I'm like, oh my God, that's rubbish. What else is, is it um, dog and bone? Is that what they call a phone? I just call it a phone, Where, bro. Where's the dog and bone? The phone? And let, uh, let's hit the frog and toad. Sorry. Like, let's hit the road. Nah, nah nothing. Lost me. Yeah, nah, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
that's lost my train of thought again. Same things has happened. <laughs> They're shit. Perfect. All right. Well, uh, yeah, I'll say skipping beer, going straight to spirits. Oh, yes. Massively overrated. Nah. I don't, yeah, it depends on the context. That's what I was going to say. Local sport. If you're watching local sport or sport in general, I reckon it's a beer scene yeah. initially. But like if you're going to a bar, so for example, Sunday, you'll catch me at Mr. PP's at about 12 o'clock midday. Mr. PP's. Yeah, it's a bar in Southport near the courthouse. Interesting. It's a, it's a rooftop, so the junkies can't get up. Um, I'll probably dive headfirst into a, a couple of uh, fireball apples. Tasty. Sorry. No, thanks. A bit of spicy apple juice for your Sunday, are they? Mate, it's so good. Yeah. Um, no, thanks. It, because sometimes beers, as you said, it's just not welcome. Yeah, I don't know. And it's just like if the sun was out, it's beer all day. Oh, 100%. But the, sun, but the sun wasn't out and it, the beer just doesn't hit the same. To quote when it's to quote miserable. the old man, it has to be a 4X bitter at minus two degrees in the esky. No, thanks. None, none of that is correct. <laughs> none of that is correct whatsoever. All right, we, uh, we might switch. Oh, have you got another one or is that it? Nah, that's it. Perfect. All right, well, we might swiftly move into our general sport for the week. So we'll go to the NBA first, I reckon. Yeah. Uh, get that out of the way. Heaps doing. So bit on. So the Heat Celtics series locked at two all. Um, and it's been quite a few very lopsided games, including the one that we're currently watching the replay of now, where Miami only made three field goals in the first quarter. Who did you pick? I tipped the Heat to win in seven. And you tipped Boston in seven. Six. In six. Yeah, okay. Um, it's going to be a ripper finish. It's going to be a ripper finish. I think uh, I I think the Heat are in trouble, personally. Um, good to see. For them, though, on a positive note, uh, Bam Adebayo had a awesome game three. He's been great. Dropped 30. Um, after, like, you know, probably not having the impact that we'd expected of him in the first two games. Really came out. Um, Jimmy Butler went off in, you know, towards the, uh, the start of the third quarter and didn't come back. Um with a bit of a niggle, uh, but yeah, Adebayo uh, really stepped up and played played unreal, uh, and that all went out the window in Game Four because none of the Miami starters had were in double digit points for the game in Game Four. Bananas, eh? They were just shocking. Like they had two starters score zero points. They were just they were so shit, man. Like and we're watching it now. Like Boston are up sixteen one. Yeah, seven they, minutes into the game, like you've already you've already lost the game there. Miami started zero and ten. Yeah. Something I love about Alf Horford hitting his jump shots is the fact that he gets maybe an inch off the ground. Yeah, I mean, you nearly can't even call them jump shots. Just he's shots. Just, he's just shooting free throws from somewhere else. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, it's going to be a really interesting rest of the series, I think. Um, I still reckon it's going seven. Yeah, I think whoever wins comes second to, uh, to Golden State. I tend to agree. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's the other series going on at the moment. The Mavs are fucked. They had a great game four. It's good they to did. not get swept. Yep. Um, uh, gentlemen sweep. It's going, ba- it's going back to Golden State. <laughs> yeah, I think it's all over. They're cooked. Um, yeah, yeah, I yeah. just don't know how else you look at it. I, I don't know how you think, because they played their best game and only won by 10. Yeah. Yeah, and that's Golden State's. Maybe their worst game in the playoffs. Yeah. Golden State's record in playoffs since 2015 in series is 20-2. and two. Yeah. And the two they lost were in the finals. Yeah. So and I I can't see them racking up another L in this series here. I think it's uh it's five and done. Gentlemen, sweet. Thanks for coming. Uh, 
Steph, the the whole team's been unreal, really. Like everywhere you look, the whole way down their bench, someone's contributed at some point I in do one of the series. Love Jonathan Kaminga. Yeah, I reckon he's massively underappreciated. Probably he's going to yep. be. It's and it's it's weird. It's a weird one because like in a lot of these games, he's not even getting minutes. No, he's going to be a star man. He's built so good. He's shooting better and better. Yeah. He's got so they got like, a, they got a bright future. Eh? He's got they've got those, you've still got James Wiseman who has not played a game this year yet. He's got that um, just back on Kaminga. He's got that like young LeBron kind of build. Yeah, six eight, pretty broad shoulders. Yeah, athletic as heaps yeah. of spark. Can be like a lot of bounce. Yeah, not the best shooter, but you can tell that there's going to be something. There's there. something there. Yeah. So, Good. but the young core like Jordan Poole is obviously you know really breaking out. He'll be a. a He'll he'll make five All Star games in his career. You reckon you Jordan Poole? Yeah, yeah, he's got plenty going for him. So him, Wiseman, and Kaminga, Moses Moody as well. He hasn't played a lot this year, and only he's Poole, only nineteen. He's young as Poole for me is almost an absolute lock. As soon as you can bet on six men of the year next year, bet on Jordan Poole. Yeah, yeah, especially now that Clay Thompson's come back, fighting fit and looking like the Clay Thompson of old. Which yeah, it's good it, to see. If he's if he's not shorter than three dollars fifty, it's going to get. A reasonable sum of my money. Yeah. Well, I mean, Tyler Hero would be a short price favorite to go back to back. You'd think because you can't really, I can't really see his role changing a whole lot. Yeah, and if anything, I reckon they'd start Vic over Tyler. Yeah, I tend to agree. I think, and for nothing else other than to benefit their second unit because they rely so heavily on their second unit. Yeah. Like they rely more heavily on guys kind of five through nine than just about any other team in the playoffs in total. Because they start people like PJ Tucker. Well, PJ Tucker, Max Struess, yeah, um, Gabe Vincent, guys like that in Gross. the rotation, Gabe where, where they, you know, they they're not big point scorers. No, and, I mean they're not really a big point scoring team, are they? It just comes back to the the old Beardie saying, "Know your role, know your role." That's it, and they do. Like they've got that many guys that are undrafted or late picks. Same they, as the Mavericks, actually. They all just copy. Yeah, I saw that today. The Mavericks have supporting got, cast. There's so, like six guys. There's, that were second rounders and two undrafted blokes in the, their, on yeah. their roster. And the highest other first round pick they have that was in that shot was Reggie Bullock at 25. And that was other than Luca. Other yeah, than who Luca. Went at, who went at three. So, um, should have been one. Should have been one. And if he wasn't one, he should have been two. <laughs> um, but the other uh, bit of news that came out this week was the All NBA teams dropped today. Um, pretty much as expected, I would say. Do you want to read them out? Uh, I can. So the NBA first team we had. Devin Booker and Luka Doncic at guard. That's fair. Giannis and Jason Tatum at forward and Jokic at center. I think that's entirely fair. I think it's it is also entirely I'll let you fair. read him out and I'll give you some thoughts. Um, or second team, we had Curry, Steph Curry and Jar at guard. DeMar DeRozan, Kevin Durant at forward and Joel Embiid in the second spot. And in at guard in the third team, Chris Paul, Trey Young. Uh, Pascal Siakam, LeBron James at forward, and Carl Anthony Towns at centre. So I've got a couple of bones to pick, I suppose, but do you want to kick us off with what you reckon? No, I reckon, I reckon you go, mate. Yeah, righto. Um, I didn't like uh, Devin Booker over Steph Curry, personally. Really? No, didn't like it at all. I know Devin Booker finished fourth in the MVP voting, but there is not a person on this planet that would ever convince me that Devin Booker is better than Steph Curry. It's just woo-woo. Steph Curry played a lot of the year this year. Didn't really sit out a whole lot. And, like, you can just see what he's doing now. I know, I, play, I, I know playoffs aren't taken into consideration. I know what you're saying, though, because Clay wasn't there. So it's him and Jordan Poole. 
So I get yeah. that. And I'm not convinced that Devin Booker is the most valuable player on the Suns. And I'll st- and I'm not saying that Chris Paul should have made all NBA first team. Maybe they should have been the second team guards. But I reckon they should have been the second team guards. And I I'm, think Jar Jar finishing second all team, uh, second team all NBA, is fair because he missed a whole chunk of games. So he, he, did he play sixty games maybe this year? I'm quite Jar? happy. I'm quite happy with Devin Booker in the first team. Yeah, it's probably fair. It's um, that's that's it's a pretty good argument though. I'd probably have. I'm pretty happy with. The first two teams, to be honest. Yeah. The only thing I don't like is how they do the voting. So you, you when the people vote, by people like the like the people around the league, and the journalists that vote, Zach Lowe's pretty cranky about it too. He talks about it all the time. You can only vote two guards, two forwards, and a center. But the center position's nearly obsolete in this league. Yeah. So, if I could have had it my way, I would have put one of the forwards, probably Tatum, back to the second team and had Jokic and Embiid. And you should just have front court, back court. Yeah. So and but have more because that's how the game's played now. And now in the, uh, this is another point that I was going to touch on in a minute was the all rookie teams. So between all star, all rookie, and all NBA, you've got three different structures for the teams. Crazy. In the all star, it's two guards, three or two front court. Sorry. Yeah. Two, two front, back court. Yeah. Three front, front court. court. In the All-NBA, you've got two guards, two forwards, two centre, like we're playing in the 60s. And in the All-Rookie, there's not even fucking positions. No, it's, it's just pick your best. Yeah, it's just pick your best five. So It should I don't, be front-court, back-court. It needs to be front-court, back-court. All or, the way through. Like, all the way through, make it at least consistent. Because then, otherwise, you know what you end up with? You end up with a guy like Andrew Wiggins getting a starting spot in an All-Star game and doesn't make an All-NBA team. Yeah. and doesn't make any sense. Like, with the front-court, it, it needs to mirror how the game's played. And I, yeah. and if the All NBA teams how it was played in the sixties, fantastic. Yeah. If it's and to be honest, it was almost the way through all the way to the nineties. It's only like mid two thousands you started to see guys transition across like small forward guard or like center and like small forward like yeah. Giannis does now. Yeah. There was a few rare examples of that. Whereas now it's nearly every team has that guy that'll guard one to five. Yeah. Like easiest example who didn't even play this year was Ben Simmons. Yeah. He's listed as a power forward slash point guard. Yeah, yeah. Like, how do you even do that? How do you do that? Yeah, Giannis could be listed anywhere and he'd fit in just fine. Yeah. So and that's what I mean. It just didn't make any sense to me. So and so it ends up being that Joel Embiid finished second in the MVP voting for the whole league and second All NBA. But some but manages to end up on the second team All NBA. Just doesn't really just taste funny. Don't rate it. Yeah. Um. Also didn't like Siakam on yeah, third we team. About this before. I know we spoke about this just before. You're kind of okay with it. I just don't know who else you'd put. And it comes down to games played as well. So the next best candidate for me would be Jimmy Butler. But he played maybe 50 games. Uh, 56 year, games he played. Which is the most he's played in five, in a season for the last five seasons. Yeah. I just don't think it's... He didn't do enough to discredit Siakam's consistency and availability. The heat, I know it was only heat, like the 10 heat, or 15 The Heat more. finished first in the East. And that's the problem. They had no representation. But yeah. I, st- I don't know. The other best player was Bam. Yeah. I just don't think he was better than Cat. No, I, 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 you're probably right. So, but I don't. I don't think anyone would argue that Jimmy Butler is the Heat's best player. Nah, I wouldn't argue with you either. Yeah. So I don't. I don't know. And I mean, I'm being a massive Jimmy Butler fan. I thought he should have been there. I'm not um, a huge Jimmy Buckets guy, but it's pretty. Yeah, you can't tell me that Siakam's a better player than Butler, especially this year. Yeah, exactly. And it's not as if you know. I don't even think Siakam. I mean, see, he played well, and they did. He did well to get Toronto. 
into the playoffs at all, given how poorly they started. But part of, he was part of the poor start. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's not as if he wasn't playing. And it's not like he was out he the first back. 20 games and came back. And so he was around. there playing poorly until they all kind of figured it out. And <laughs> I don't know. I, I just, I, I would have been much happier seeing Jimmy Butler there because he's a better player. His team is better. And so in the end, they're just massively underrepresented. Just the amount of injuries that were in the Fords this year, like Kevin Durant, Anthony Davis, can, oh, notable omission. Oh, Durant was in. Durant was in the uh, second, second team. team. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but so yeah, no, we, we spoke about this. There was quite a lot, like Anthony yeah. Davis being out, um, like talented forwards that weren't available for selection. Luca being moved to the guard position now to vote also kicks out a forward, or, sorry, promotes a forward in. Yeah, yeah. So um, Chris Milton got injured. Yeah, yeah. Probably just didn't play well enough either this year, I don't think. Underappreciated. Yeah, sure he did. Um, but yeah, and then I suppose the other thing I wanted to quickly touch on, uh, as I just mentioned, was the, the all-rookie teams. Um, so Josh Giddy making the second team, which obviously as an Aussie and as an OKC fan, I was doubly not impressed with. And this is where they it's positionless. So like Sean just mentioned, they just pick... It's all just based on first, second, third, fourth, fifth place voting or whatever. And whoever polls up the most votes, the top five are in their five. So you end up in a scenario where in the, the top, in the, the all-rookie first team, there was three forwards. And in the all rookie second team, the tallest dude was six five. It was Josh Giddy. No, uh, he's six eight. Oh, who? Josh Giddy six eight. Yeah. Okay. Well, he was the tallest at six eight. Yeah. Yeah. So Herb Jones, I think he's probably roughly the same kind six, of height. Six seven. He was so he was on there as well, but otherwise was all guards. And Jalen Green, who I didn't think played that well this year. I can't believe played he okay, made the first but team. made all NBA first team over Josh Giddy, despite the fact they both play in the same conference. Josh Giddy won four rookie, rookie of the Western month. Western Conference Rookie of the Month. The only one he didn't win was the one that Jalen Green won. So it was four to one. Didn't make it. I don't understand. It's, and it's not it's not as if the Rockets made the playoffs and he was playing meaningful minute, minutes does, on a good team. It does kind of prove the American narrative that comes into a lot of the awards. Yeah. As well. Yeah. Which is gross. Which is why it's cool seeing Giannis and Luca and Jokic all shine and, you know, really dominate the polling. Yeah. Yeah, but no, and it, like, that just, yeah, it sucked. I mean, he definitely deserved to be. He was fourth in the Rookie of the Year voting. God, Josh we sound Giddy. like salty Aussie fans. Yeah, but man, it just didn't make any sense. Like, he should have just been a walk-up start, really. I couldn't believe listening to, like, the Low Post and those two American journalists that were, like, they didn't even consider him in, in their top five. No, it just didn't make any sense. And I understand that, you know, you know, if you need someone to go out and score you 25 points, then well, he's probably not on your All-Rookie first, uh, all first team, but... That's not his job. No. I actually thought Herb Jones was a touch stiff as well. Yeah, he played so well. But again, it's not like the playoffs don't come into it. But he played meaningful minutes on a team that gave... It kind of just proved it though. scare. He'd been doing it all year. Yeah. He's a great defender. And no one cares because he plays in New Orleans. But he was unreal. He was great. Yeah. He was a really good find for New Orleans. Yeah, massive, massive steal. So, um, yeah. But yeah, all-rookie just didn't really make a whole lot of sense to me. I'm okay with the all-NBA. I'll... Um, it's I'll fine. All that. Yeah. There's nothing ridiculous like the Josh Giddy thing. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll move through to the NRL. Uh, so last week, uh, well, we might kick it off with the tipping actually, because I wouldn't mind talking about the tipping for a sec. So shout out Fridge, tipping a perfect round in the NRL. Nearly had both. If <laughs> Nearly it wasn't had for both. Some upsets if, in the AFL. Yeah, if it wasn't for some massive upsets in the NRL, uh, in the AFL, really. So, um, 
I think I might have finished second for the round last week in the NRL, maybe third. Yeah, I didn't look. Um, but so I tipped seven last week, which I was pretty happy with. Yeah, you, um, you and Shaggers only missed the uh, what did I miss last week? Raiders. Yeah, who'd they beat? Rabbitohs. The Rabbitohs. That's right. So that's the only game I missed. Um, and the AFL again, uh, everyone tipped Brisbane and everyone tipped, tipped Frio. Frio, and they both lost. So and I got seven out of nine in the AFL as well. Shout so. out, shout out to Hawthorne. They've been sneaky good. Yeah. I was quietly confident with the whole Sam Mitchell appointment of coach and the young squad again. Yeah. It does give you throwbacks to that young Hawks team that had Buddy, which is the, probably the only difference is they don't have a Buddy up front. Yeah. Cunts a freak. But I mean, everyone just expected them to be terrible this year, Hawthorne, and they've not been really. Mate, so even the games they've lost, most of the times they've put up quite a good fight and at least been competitive. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just going on to the tipping. So in the NRL, Angus stays on top, one one tip ahead. Clear of Shaggers, who's come into second. He's got Grovey. Grovey and I had a mare, both tip five. So Grovey's in third. Um, I'm not going to go through the rest of it. I'll, go, I'll get the AFL up as well, which I think Shaggers is, again, in the top three. Yeah. Yeah, so I think... Uh, so Shaggers is top, actually. He's beating least likely to win on a, on a points differential of yep. 20. That's um, actually, that's coming into it um, a little bit uh, towards the top. There's a few, mm. there, there's one, it might even be in the AFL where there's like four people on even points. Yeah, we're getting to that now. So Anika's third and then you, Glenn, Bilf, myself are all tied for fourth. Boys, and- I'm coming home with a wet sail. I'm having a really good mid-season uh, stretch here. I've gone from 19th to 12th in two rounds in the NRL and I've gone from... 11th to 4th in the AFL in two rounds. Yeah, so. I've been sliding. Again, it's my own fault. I talk shit when I'm going well. <laughs> Earliest crow in the world is yeah. myself. Yeah. No, and like, I don't know. I just, it really just all comes down to, there's always, you're nearly always going to have at least one upset in the round. Yeah. I reckon. I always and, try to pick it. And it, yeah. And that's and, why I always got to. And that's why I come, that's why I get five out of eight. Yeah. <laughs> and, and yeah. Whereas if you just like, tried to pick every team on who you think was going to win you might miss one a week but instead us fucking chimpanzee brains try and pick the upset and it ends up being a two game swing yeah Go it ends up costing you so anyway um, I actually want to sad. touch on the AFL real quick yeah sure go so there's last year there was quite a lot of chat about a night, an expansion to a 19th team in, oh, yeah. in Tassie um, full $30,000 $30,000 word report came out from the league a few months ago um, they so it's been widely speculated that um, that Tasmania should get a uh, should get a team and that they reckon there's always been and it's probably just Tasmanians just coming out and trying to shit all over other people's kind of uh, attendance records but people saying you know if this game was being held at Blundstone Arena we'd pack it out that kind of thing yeah and it's it's a shit argument it's not the argument they should have because you only get one game a year of course you're going to pack it out yeah but Back on, so there's a cost analysis report that came out, and one of the major recommendations, which goes against a lot of the press, is that North Melbourne should not be relocated to Tasmania. They should have their own license, and like they, they'll be able to get the financial backing, which is coming from a a mining company, and the owners used to be the president of Melbourne Demons. Oh yeah, a few years ago. So he's come out and said, um, if Tassie gets its own license, I'll make sure they have the funding. Um, but the government needs to give me a mining site. <laughs> hey, <laughs> yeah, and oh, nothing like a cheeky hidden agenda. Yeah, because it's there's a there's a site in Tassie that's been 
like tested and it's got all the like the minerals that make batteries and and like all the like the lithium um, batteries yeah. and the power so he wants a little slice of that and in return he will he will back the Tassie team now um, they did say uh, Gillian McLaughlin did say that he would they'd make a decision early this season it's due nearly any round whether whether Tassie will be proposed for an expansion but it doesn't end there the problem is there's been quite a few presidents that have actively said if it goes to a vote they will not support it because they still want that 18-team slice of a pie, and that means they'd have to divide it to 19. Yeah, And yeah. with 19, it probably means 20. Um, and I don't know where you'd expand next. Would you go to the NT? Not really sure. Like, Yeah, I don't know. It really... But I, I, Shit. it comes back to my point in my head, that I haven't said yet. I think Tassie deserves their own team. I don't think moving north is the right thing. It's a Band-Aid fix. North had an attendance at the G of like 11,000, which is fucked. It's like one ninth of their capacity. Yeah. But I don't know how you'd expect North fans to go to games when they've been so shit for so long. So I don't think moving them to Tasmania fixes any problems. I think it just puts a bandaid over it, which will get reopened again in five years when Tassie gets sick of North Melbourne being so shit. Yeah. Give no, them that, I agree. Give them their own team and let them, because if, if it's shit and they've been saying this whole time, and they, to be fair, they do get pretty good attendance at Bloodstone. Would but there, there, would there but be... Like, so there's there, been a proposal as well in Hobart for a new AFL stadium right on the marina. Yeah. Mate, looks brilliant. It'll be yeah. 30,000 capacity. I think it's a goer. Which is probably double what they've got at Bloodstone, right? Yeah. It, and it would be fully... So Bloodstone's got that open area on the hill. Yeah. Whereas this one will be similar style to all the new stadiums you see now where it's completely closed in. Completely closed in? Not a roof. Not a roof, but like the whole... Like the structure goes 360. It's, there's no open bits. Yeah. Okay. I think um, similar to Optus, yeah, but not, I, nowhere near as I big. I mean, I don't. I don't want to get like too deep into you know stadiums and stuff. But I reckon they'd be really missing a trick if they built a stadium like that. Oh, yeah. I think Hobart seems like having, from someone who's never been to Hobart seems like the perfect place where you'd want to have at least one end open. I think like Adelaide Oval style. I like Metricon. Yeah, well, and, it's a and similar Metricon, Metricon is nearly it's a similar um, size, pretty much the same to Adelaide, where it's big old stadiums all built up for two hundred and seventy degrees, and then there's just one slice down one end where the old scoreboard is and the hill and stuff like that. It's sick. I think it's brilliant, especially yeah. it, makes, both, it actually makes it for way better viewing, and I don't really know why. It just feels less like a shoebox and more like you actually at a ground for both sports as well for cricket and. AFL, I think it's great because yeah. both both times you're gonna get a lot of crowds, particularly a lot of kids behind because the the spare ovals near it at yeah. Metricon. I, I get what you're saying, um, but yeah, honestly, I think the Tasmanian expansion is a goer. Yeah, if you had the buy, so be it. Like that, they've just had the jumping jacks in the NBL come yeah. in and they almost won the league. Yeah, they did. Yeah, brilliant, mate. Give them a team. Yeah, I agree. It can't it can't be worse. Than what they're doing now. Well, I mean, the NRL are going to an odd number of teams in the league next year. So it's, and I mean, that's the, at the end of the day, you do want to see growth in the sport. And if the if the AFL decide that they are ready for a nineteenth team, then Tasmania is the obvious choice. That comes back to my thing, though. The NRL have a plan for an eighteenth team already. I don't yeah. know if the AFL has a twentieth to make it even again. Okay. So the NRL is looking at an expansion potentially in Wellington, and and there's chat of Perth as well. Yeah. Um, but the Wellington team is most likely going to be the next expansion team after Redcliffe, yeah. probably like three or four, three to five years later. Yeah. Um, whereas I'm not 
I don't know enough about AFL, to be completely honest, to know where they'd put their 20th. Like, if you look at the VFL, there is a lot of the, the VFL now, which goes up the whole eastern seaboard, the, it could be, bro, even the Sharks, Southport, for example, because they've been dominating in the VFL, dominating, like, very competitive in the VFL, or they could maybe even get another WA. That's what I was just about to ask that. Look, is there enough demand for a third WA team? Possibly. Or, a, th- the, or a third South Australia team? The the Waffle's pretty strong. Yeah. Speaking of the Waffle, Nat Fife's playing it next week, or this coming week. Shit, eh? Incoming <laughs> 70 disposals yeah. through three quarters. Yeah, so it'd be, it'd be interesting. So for you blokes that know more AFL than Jack and I, let us know Yeah. if you think there's a better expansion for a 20th team. And, I'll, it, and, it won't, and are it, they ready? Are they ready to expand to that? It, many it won't be immediately. Like it'll yeah. be definitely a few years. But yeah. and even with so even let's say the Tassie, the Tassie team passes the AFL's ticket of approval and it goes to the vote of all presidents. Even if that passes the presidents, it's still going to take a few years to get ready because they got to build the stadium, yeah. manufacture the club, decide the club's name, their mascot. Their identity. I mean, similar to what the um, like the Dolphins are going through now, kind of. Because the Dolphins and that's and because the Dolphins have been an established, established team, yeah. for 40, 50, 60 years. So they've got a field and they've got a fan base and they've got. We have their to go structure. to a Dolphins game next year. It yeah, looked, yeah. that stadium is fucking elite. Surely we'll just do it, mate. We'll go on the road, take the tools on the road, and do a potty while we're there. <laughs> um. So yeah, swiftly moving back to the NRL. So some. Horrid injury news coming out of last week with Tommy Turbo doing his shoulder. Season done. Um, I made a bet with Potter, three hundred dollars that mainly I said mainly won't make the eight. I think this is about to be the easiest three hundred dollars I've ever made. Oh, it's pretty safe, isn't it? They, I mean, they'll struggle. Um, but just gutting news, really. And he just bloke just can't catch a break. Man, it sucks. It sucks for the game too because he's such a polar not polarizing figure, but player. Yeah, and he's so humble off the field. He's a yeah. great, he's a great role model. He, I think, yeah, I think he's a fantastic advocate for NRL, and yeah. I think it's, and I mean, you know, stereotype whatever. But footballers aren't always the greatest role models no. for kids that play the game, and he really is. Um, and I mean, it just goes to show, like, all his teammates love him and were devastated for him. Did you see the interview that they did with Jake after the game? So Jake got um, man of the match in that game that they lost to Eels and he was just about in tears. Yeah. He was like just yeah, bordering on just bawling his eyes out, eh? So, yeah, no, pretty pretty tough scenes and it re- was really pretty innocuous too. Like it was <clears throat> not really contact even. Like no, it kind of was... just, like he dived and they kind of just, you know, over the top of one another and his shoulders went bang. It's, yeah, it's a perfect subluxation yeah. impact. Yeah. So, um, and I mean, they feared, they feared for the worst because he looked like he was in a fair bit of pain. Yeah. Every... And, Every Tom Dvorovich game that he plays is one less headline the journalists have to manufacture about a player off the field. Yeah. So that's that's like the easiest way to explain how good he is for the game. Yeah. Doesn't do anything radical, kind of like Teddy now. Teddy has his, had his moments in the past. But every yeah. every time a player like this gets injured, it just sucks, man. Like it just, and it doesn't just sting mainly, it stings all, it stings the whole league. Yeah. The only pro is that we don't have to play him in origin. You literally, yeah. So, and it means that they're just going to probably bring in someone who's not quite as good, but still better than our centers. So, yay. Um, uh, now, uh, Melbourne lost their second game in a row. First time since 20... I think it was a 2016. While. I'll get the stat up. Cause for concern? No. I tend to agree. Uh, they've got a lot of blokes out. And it's not only the number of guys out, it's who they've got out. 
There was a, a rogue stat that Here I read is. yesterday with the Jerome Hughes versus Cameron Munster thing. You go. That the the percentage of games that Jerome Hughes has won or that Melbourne have won with Hughes in Munster out is 80-something percent still. But Melbourne have only won about 60 or 56% of games with Munster in, Hughes out. So whilst you'd probably think that Hughes is about their sixth best player, he's really one of their most important. So I reckon they'll see. I'm tipping the Storm to win this week, despite the fact that they'll be without Pappenhausen still, but Hughes will be back. Harry Grant's out. Yep, and I still reckon they'll win. Yep, because Cheese will go to hooker and Tyron Wishart will just be the 14. Yeah, and I think that Jerome Hughes, the Hughes-Munster... Halves combo massively underrated. There's a whole lot of whole lot of talk around the um uh, the Jerome Luai and Nathan Cleary partnership that the Munster um, Hughes combo gets forgotten a little bit and they're uh, they're box office mates. So I reckon they'll get up again this week. Um, but the Cowboys, oh no, Cowboys just beat them. They don't play the Cowboys. So I got a stat. The stat I was talking about. So since Craig Bellamy took over the Storm, they've only lost three games in a row three times, with the last coming in 2015. Right. Yeah. Who do they play this week? They play Manly at Melbourne. Yeah, okay. Oh. Um, and just on that, Manly have beaten them the last two times they've played at Melbourne. There's some yeah, right. niche stats actually it's up at the moment. Yeah. So, uh, and the Cowboys will head down to Penrith to face Penrith this week. Their first game in New South Wales in 10 months. No Tamalolo and... No Cole Felt. No, no Cole Felt, which, which is the easier it, fix. Yeah, and it was... It, it's funny. I was only thinking about it in the car when I heard it. That um, it, pretty similar to what we were talking about last week. It means that you know Talungi doesn't get dropped. Yep. And it's just a really easy way for them to get Hammer back playing eighty minutes. Yep. And that's what they've done. And then and then, and then now it is literally now just a shootout really between the back four. Not the drink water obviously stays. I reckon. Yeah. But the other four, it's just go your hardest. Whoever plays the shittest in the next four weeks is going to get dropped. So, um, now you wanted to touch on the Lockie Miller debut for Cronulla this Mate, week. what a great story. So, I don't know a lot about it, but he's come from, is it Rugby Sevens? So, before that, he come out of the Rugby League heartland of Coffs Harbour. What a place. Yeah, right. Him and Dylan Edwards, also from around the Coffs region, and gets, gets he, he tells me. Yeah. Um, yeah, so he's played a bit of the Coffs Rugby League, got picked up for the Sevens, represented Australia in the Olympics, and... Now, Cronulla, he's gone to Cronulla mostly just to play at um, Wentworth. Not Wentworth, um, Newtown Jets in their feeder system. Yeah. Doesn't play fullback, to be honest. He plays six, and Luke Metcalf normally plays seven. I was going to say, he um, he looks like a fucking unit. He's a unit. Yeah. He's a unit. Looks like, And actually, and he looks l- like a rugby sevens player. And he's lightning. Yeah. He took, and there was a, the, I mean, the only highlight really that I saw of him play was where he caught the ball. And he ran seventy and ran seventy five meters and actually made it look like no one got anywhere near him. Like no. he was just away with the wind. It's um, unreal. Yeah, so that's a cool story being able to go from the Olympics to rugby league within a couple of years, and that's good too for the Sharks because they're still without Kennedy for another week. Wrong, two weeks. Kennedy's back. Is he? Mm. Oh, okay, interesting. So you drop Matt Moylan, move Miller into six? No chance. <laughs> nah, I wouldn't be touching that harsh pairing of Moylan and um, Nico Hines. Yeah. No, that's fair. Oh, well, it's cool to see him make his debut anyway. Yeah, and, sh- uh, sh- shout good out. Good to see the Sharks start get, getting some 
getting their shit back together. They've had a pretty crappy last couple of weeks. So, so. Lockie Miller's been named the replacement. It's the 18th man. Yeah, okay. That's fair. It's probably a good spot for him. He is a unit, though. He's 180 centimetres, only 84 kilos. He doesn't look that big, but he's like nuggety. Yeah. And quick. Just a solid unit. Um, so, and the other part was with one eye looking towards Origin, which is coming up in two weeks. Yep. Now, I want you to give me your three players under the age of 25 that you think should be playing Origin this year. I'll let you go because I have about five. Righto. Well, I reckon you and I are going to have a similar list. But with the Latrell and Tom Travojevic injuries, I'm saying that Crichton and Katoni Staggs have to be the starting centres for New South Wales. Yeah, I tend to agree, but I reckon Jack White will be put at one of the centres and they'll play Hines at 14. So yep. I think Crichton might miss out. Has to be Katoni, bro. He's playing He's so in. good. He is playing unbelievable. And like he's just as quick as Crichton. And but defensively he's probably better. So the and only, he's just dominant man. So the only thing that the Blues might take Crichton is our wingers are probably going to be Oates and Coates. I reckon. Oates and Coates. Yeah. That's both, so good. Both tall, both pretty good in the air. Um, and the New South Wales wingers have been out of car and bizarre. Yeah. Quite short, not so good in the air. I reckon they'll take Crichton and on the fifths on their own line, they'll swap Bizzer and Crichton for Crichton to take the kicks. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, I'd not really considered that, I, I guess. Because but Queensland need that. That is something to have a point of attack. Yeah. And they got, it's going to be a lot of aerial kicking from Daly, Cherry Evans. And Munster. Corey Oates has been one of the better stories to come out of this year, I reckon, out of the Broncos. Probably yeah. doesn't get talked about enough. The bloke only played like five or six games for us last year. He wasn't even getting making the run on side. He's been unreal. Yeah, Coates has been cracked out of his mind. Yeah. So, I, I, honestly, I tend to agree. They should be the centres, but I think Jack White will get probably the left centre. Yeah, okay. Which means I can either... And Crichton and Staggs both play right centre. Yeah. Um, and my other one is uh, Ruben Cotter for... Yeah, Queensland. Now, I restricted myself to only pick three because I could have Jeremiah Nanai in there as well. Hang on, I've got to go. Who's playing Unreal. Now, did Patrick Carrigan play Origin last year? I don't think so because Patrick Carrigan's number one on my list. Yeah, he is. He has to, so he has to start at lock. I agree. Ten. I saw some list today where Carrigan didn't make Queensland's 18 and that they had Jai Arrow starting at lock. No. Nah, like Corey, fuck off. Corey Parker released a list and it was almost bang on. Yeah. So, um, I think I was reading Wally Lewis's list today. I think that's who I was like reading. And they had Jair out at 13 and Carrigan out of the 18. So, nah, nah, see. Man, that's not it. I don't, I think Carrigan has to play and he has to start at lock because he's, he's a bit of a both, a bit of prop and lock. I think he's yeah. a big enough body to cop the origin intensity. Yeah. I'd love to see Tano at front row for origin. I think that's his best spot. Who, sorry? Tino, Fasu. Yeah, Mali. yeah. Fasu. So that, I think that's the adjustment you make. You put Carrigan at lock. Um, my next one, which might contradict what I said before, but based on recent form, I wouldn't mind at least seeing in the camp, Selwyn Cobo. Yep. And it's the same thing. He's a big He's a big body. He can jump really well. Like I think that would be a good point of difference. And if that means he has to play on the left and unfortunately Oates would miss out, so be it. Um our back line's a lot better this year. So we can have Ponga at the back and our centres will have Gagai and Holmes. Yeah, which is solid. It's solid. It's better than what we had with Capewell and Hammer. Yeah. Um, and we can have Cobbo or Oates. Um, so, yeah, yeah, Oates on the left. On the left. And then and have Coates, Coates on, the right. on the right. Yeah. Um, and my other one, which is a little bit of a smoky, is uh, Hamoli Olkowatu. 
Yeah. I, I think he'd be great off the bench. He is uh, he real good. Uh, and I've been a massive fan of a few of those guys from Manly. I could even add a fourth. If it's not him, it's Keon Kolomatungi yeah. from Rabbitohs. Yeah. He's a beast as well. So the two of them, and they play reasonably similar too. Like, you know, edge back rowers and they're just... They're just Destructive. Go bro. just... Insane. Olukowatu's having an absolute season. Yeah. So, and they're going to need him now too with with um, Tommy out. They, well, they might not have him. They might not get a choice over the origin period. So I reckon, yeah, I reckon both those blokes would be picked in the squad and, I, and it would be like an, a race. Because so, um, Matangi was in the, the camp last, last year. Last year, yeah. Whereas Old Kawatu was still pretty raw. Yeah. Because I think they'll both go this year and if it's not one, if it's not both, it'd be one of them plus I think Ryan Madison should obviously, which is not Bloody a Bloody hell, New South Wales are that deep this year, It's they? crazy. Holy. And like another centre we didn't bring up was Zach Lomax. Yeah, and uh, um, uh, Talakai yeah, as well, Talakai. who was getting spoken about pretty... So they're, heavily, they're 14 like, like options. Four weeks ago. Their 14 options are Jack White and Nico Hines. And this is after Pappenhausen's been injured. Yeah. So otherwise he'd be in the mix there as well, you would think. Their backup halfback is Mitchell Moses. Yeah, which is not bad. Ryan uh, Ryan Reynolds. Jesus Christ. Adam, Re- Adam Reynolds, who's probably playing some of the best footy of his career. As well. Is, you know, not even... In- Excuse me. Not even in the conversation. I don't think the six conversations a thing this year. I think Luai walked straight in. Oh, Luai and Cleary just walked straight in. Because Cody Walker's not been great. No, and but um, it's not even a question, really, is it? I, I just think that. And I think Luai's probably, had an probably, underrated year so far. Well, probably an underrated factor in that as well is the fact that they're going to have um, Yo playing thirteen. Yeah. And the the six Luai Cleary Yo playing six seven thirteen. Unreal. And that's actually why I wouldn't even mind seeing Coruscant as the starting nine for New South Wales. I know Damien Cook's a good player. He's had a good year. But that's like 6, 7, 9, 13, that continuity. No one's, tu- like, no one's really touched the Panthers in, you know, in the last fucking two years. We used, we used to have it with Slater, Kronk, um, Dallas Johnson. Not Dallas Johnson. Um, who's the 13 that used to play at Storm? He's been animal. Mick Actually, it might have been Dallas Johnson. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, Hoffman. No, no. no he was it, it was Dallas Johnson and then Smith. Yeah. It's unreal. Yeah. And it, like, and Isaiah Yo's ball playing is unbelievable, man. For a big dude, he's just phenomenal. Plays you know, he started minutes, out as a center. Plays minutes. It plays 80 minutes every week. I think he's top of the Dallium leaderboard still after 11 rounds. Deservingly. Yeah. He's playing unreal, man. So um, that's all I got for the NRL this week. Got anything else? Um, How'd the golf go? Hey, USPGA? No? Oh, that was actually incredible. See, aren't you glad I'm on this podcast? Yeah. So I bet $12 on Bryson at 100, 000, no, 101 to 1, and he pulled out. Cat. Fuck you, Bryson. Um, and then my, so I chucked it on um, DJ, who then didn't make the cut. Anyway, so going into the final round at the USPGA, Mito Pereira from Chile, quite an unknown guy relative to the rest of the field he was playing. Um, was leading by a couple of shots. Will Zalatoris has been quite solid. Looks like Owen Wilson. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, they were they were at the final grouping. Um, but Justin Thomas won. And at one point, he was eight shots back going into the final round. So on the, on the 18th, so Thomas obviously playing ahead of them was in the final group. Stormed home, hit like three birdies in the last five holes to be one shot back. Uh, yeah, one shot back of Pereira is equal as Zalatoris. Um, Pereira double bogeyed the last hole to miss the playoff. No. And Zalat- yeah, and Zalatoris hit a, 
a really shaky par putt to go to the playoff. And it's, in these tournaments, it's a three-hole playoff. Yeah. Um, so it was 16, 17, 18. They both parred 16. 17th was a drivable par four, but you had to hit a, a high cut over trees, over water. Um, Thomas drove the green. Birdied it. Zalatoris didn't drive the green and parred it, and they both parred 18. So Thomas stormed back from like eight shots to win. It's his second US PGA. Far it, out. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. You can, um, if you follow the PGA on Instagram, they post some pretty cool stuff. A lot of shit, but there's a a, um, a graph that shows the scoring breakdown from each hole. And you can see Pereira at the top. And on the last hole, Thomas just shoots up and Pereira shoots down past him. Poor bloke. Yeah. He's sh- heartbreaking. I think he shot five. He sh- I think he shot four over for the final day. And you're just not going to win a major tournament shooting four over. On tough, day. tough yeah. course though. Cool thing about the US PGA is consistently it's one of those tournaments where there's not really high, like low scores, which I, I love to see. Like same with the Open, it was the Masters the last couple of years? It's been like twenty, twenty-two under, whereas Thomas won with eight under. Yeah, and that was like nuts. The the cut was I think even after two rounds. Bloody hell! Um, unfortunately, Tiger had to withdraw in the third after the third round due to injury. But yeah, you could really see it happening to him as well. Um, but yeah, golf's in a great spot at the moment. And actually, just talking Aussie golf, there's a guy from Busy that qualified for I believe one of the next one of the next majors. Might even be the Masters because he won the won the Aussie Open. Yeah, right. So he's from Kelvin Grove. Oh, what a place! Up in Brisbane. So he's he's gone over to prep with Cam Smith. Yeah, nice. Great story. How good? Well, well hopefully we see him winning a winning a few. Uh, few majors pretty there, soon. Yeah, but there were some notable omissions that didn't make the cut. Like, well, number one, Scotty Scheffler, not, not close. Dustin Johnson, uh, Dustin Johnson didn't make it. Um, like, just nuts. Golf, another one of those, like, a game that it's just a great leveler. Being, just one of those things you can literally go from, to, from hero to zero. Anyone who wins a golf tournament thoroughly deserves it. It is four rounds in a row of brilliance that you need to win. Yeah. So much mental game. Five hours a day. Like, it's just you. Yeah, it's brutal. And this is what we were talking about with the whole, you know, the GOAT conversation. It's like you have nobody to lean on. Like, it is all you. And it's not just playing one good day. Like, it's, you know, three shitholes can ruin... 15 hours of good golf. Look at Cam Smith. He ruined. He lost the Masters. Like he In one hole. On the 13th. One bad swing. And he put himself out of contention. Yeah. It's just fucked, isn't it? Um, all right. We'll move on to our, um, well, just topic for the week. Um, we're going to rank Gatorade flavors. So this will be controversial, I reckon. Um, this seems to be a pretty hotly... Uh, contested topic especially cricket I reckon I reckon just about every time someone grabs a Gatorade out of the fridge so the flavours that we'll be ranking orange ice lemon lime blue bolt tropical grape watermelon berry and arctic blitz so Sean I want to give I want you to give me your bottom flavour or is it easier to start from the top no no definitely to start at the bottom I'm just trying to work out there's two clear bottom for me yeah Um, I'm going to go with the orange. Yeah. Uh, grape is by far the worst. You are so wrong. Grape is far... It tastes like cough medicine, man. It's disgusting. Yeah, purple dimitat. Nah. Bleh. Grape is by far the worst. Orange is horrific. My second least favourite, and it was almost the worst for me, was the yellow. 
Really? Yeah. I don't know what the Gatorade flavor name for it is, but it's ass. It's uh, lemon lime. Lemon lime. No yeah. good. My I reckon second from the bottom for me is probably the orange as well. Not a massive fan of the orange. I think better than the grape. Most people that drink orange preferably, like they can choose anything, psychopaths. Yeah. I kind of tend to think the same thing about the grape. Really? Yeah, I reckon it's gross, man. It is, it is seriously foul. I don't understand how people drink it, eh? Um, after that, I reckon I'm going the the berry. Yeah, see, I'm going watermelon. I think half the problem with watermelon is the color doesn't match the flavor, and it fucks me off. I, I actually genuinely think that the watermelon tastes better watered down. Huh? Yeah. The, watermelon- the fact you've even tried that annoys me. Nah, the watermelon, it's way too sweet, man. Holy I just shit. don't like the flavor. No, I like the flavor. It's just way too sweet. Um, all right. And after berry, I'm going tropical. So what's left? So for you, Sean, you have blue bolt, tropical, grape, berry, and berry. I'm going to go blue bolt. Oh. Oh. Fuck that. I'm going to piss people off with my list. I can already feel Jesus. it. Yes. <laughs> All right. Oh, an Arctic Blitz. So I'm going at the Arctic. Yep. Give me Arctic Blitz then. I don't just... It's, it is it is the middle ground. Right. So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. So you've got... So I've got Berry, Tropical say? and Grape left. Berry, Tropical no, no, and no. Grape. Yeah. Uh, what, what are you going? Well, so now I'll rank my remaining as a top three. So my top three is Blue Bolt... Oh, that's high. Watermelon and lemon lime. You can't have watermelon second when you water it down. I don't water it down. I'm just saying that I think it tastes better when it's watered down. So you probably secretly water it down. No, I don't. I mean, you wouldn't be able to tell, would you, the colours? No. No, actually, you're probably right. I'm swapping lemon lime for watermelon. So I'm going lemon lime second, watermelon third. And blue bolt is by far the best flavour. It's not even close. Um, For me, I'll go third. Yeah. So my third favorite would be berry. Yep. Um, this is splitting hairs at the top, but my second favorite is tropical, and grape is probably my go-to. And between those two, it, it's it's usually just those two that I drink. Yeah. And if I can't get tropical and I want the red one, I'll get berry. Yeah. And I don't buy anything else. Blue Bolt is nah. I think I drank too much Blue Bolt as a kid, to be honest. Yeah, oh, but but oh, but grape you can still tolerate. I fucking love it. Grapes, it's fucking so gross. good with some vodka as well. Oh, I actually think it starts tasting better when you put vodka in it. That's how you, bad I think it tastes. You'd love watermelon with the vodka in it because it waters it down for you. Yeah, actually, well, that's probably fair. Actually, um, no, fuck, I can't. I can't get around like the artificial tasting grape stuff. Just no good gum as well, like that hubba bubba crap. What about Rabina? Nah, no, that's not that's not grape. That's apple black currant, man. Is it? Yeah, it's purple though. Yeah, apple black currant is legendary. If they brought out an apple black currant Gatorade, I'd be all for it. Mate. Like when they brought out the when cruisers, when vodka cruiser brought out the apple black currant cruisers, all over it, mate. They're that good. <laughs> they are that good. Apple black currant is the shit, but grape not so much. All right. Uh, well, guys, thank you for joining us again uh, for episode 14 of the Armchair Critics podcast. Sean, you got anything else to add? Let's get Brad Radford on next time. Right. So Brad Radford coming on next week. That's it. We've committed to it now. We have to do it. Yeah. 
Um, guys, as normal, if you uh, want to get in contact with us, feel free to send us a message on Instagram at Armchair Critics or shoot us an email, armchaircritics at outlook.com. Once again, we really appreciate uh, all the feedback and topic ideas that we get from you guys. Um, let us know if you've got any more. Always happy to hear some constructive feedback. Love uh, making improvements to the podcast. Thanks for tuning in, guys, and we will see you next week. Ciao.